Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk. Thank you for joining us for this half hour. Now, let's talk. And good morning and welcome to it. I'm Tracy Morgan. So nice to have you with us for this half hour of Let's Talk. This is our half hour that we get to talk to great professionals in and around the area about issues that are important to you. And today is our day with Quality Life Services. And so we will talk to Julie Toth and also we have Paula Minix with us today as well. We're going to be talking about home health and also hospice and we'll just kind of go over what they are and exactly um, the details that we need. I know I'm missing. Oh, there it is. See, I knew I was. Uh, there are things that are falling off my head. Uh, my ear. As soon as I put my earphones on, all my earrings just kind of went down on my clothes somewhere. All right. So now that we got all that arranged, Julie Toth is with us. Thank you very much, Julie, for coming in here today. Me. I appreciate it. Yes, happy nice. to be here. Yeah. And then Paula, Paula Minix as well. Now you're the executive clinical director with home health and a hospice. I am. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me today. You I'm know what, Paula, really we were talking off the air. Why don't you just bring that microphone a little bit closer to you? And we just, yeah, we were gabbing, gabbing, gabbing <laughs> all of a sudden. <laughs> we're like, hey, we're going on the air. Right. So that's just kind of what happens as we go through this. But yeah, Paula, thanks for being here today. Thank you for yeah. having me. I'm really excited for this opportunity to Absolutely. be here. We're going to go through a lot of uh, explanation of the definition, if you will, here in just a moment, because I think it is always a, a big conversation. Julie, we talk about that. <laughs> all the time don't yep. we with quality life services and, um, and and I mean do you find that a lot of people come to you and still don't understand what hospice is and what home health care is yes and I have oh not as much many years maybe under my belt as Paula but almost 10 years of hospice experience under my belt from um, just different places Your that I've worked journey. yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I still get the when I bring up the word hospice the look of oh Oh, you work in that field, or uh, like it—it's almost like a afraid, or I don't understand it, but I'm told to be not okay with that. Right. And I am my my life's journey is to debunk the myths of hospice and to really promote what a needed and beautiful service it is for for someone who's transitioning to the end of their life. What do you find that people? shy away from it because it's a reality check i mean it, it it's a not only are there myths about that mm -hmm. which i know you're here to debunk as well but uh if somebody is in hospice you're talking about the typically end years of your life not necessarily i know mm -hmm. you're going to talk about that <laughs> but when, when you're at that stage in life you really get faced with your own mortality right and i agree it, the reality of it mortality is not something that we're taught to talk about okay. freely and openly and proudly mm -hmm. just to be honest mm -hmm. even though we know it doesn't matter how rich you are or how you live everyone will eventually pass away but we don't talk about it so when they hear the word hospice even though it's in in their in their maybe clinicians eyes it's inevitable and this is the best way to help transition help be comfortable give the best quality of the life you have left people in the community sometimes think of it as giving up or they're in denial, no, 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 hospice is for like the last two days of life. When studies have shown the earlier hospice intervention is introduced to someone with an end-stage illness, the better quality of life they live and sometimes the longer prognosis. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. And Patty, go ahead um, and, and throw in your, your two cents here as, as we're talking about this. Paula, as I call you Patty, I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll rename you five times That's over by the time fine. we're done. And I'll answer to all of them. So. <laughs> Promotions. I've been given promotional titles yeah, on the yeah. radio before. Only here. Like, okay. Only in this half hour. Does it happen? <laughs> right. Then you're going to go 
back to reality. <laughs> okay. But, all right. But yeah, I, I, just to uh, spin off of that, you know, it really is exactly what Jul- Julie was saying. The earlier that we get in, the more support that we can provide. And often the patient does better. It is not for the final days. And I think we need to start viewing it. You know, yes, it is end of life. It is if the physician were to say this disease would run its normal course, I would not be surprised if this patient passed away in the le- in the next six months or, or, you know, six to 12 months. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. But um, what it means is that the patient, um, the person has reached a place where despite maximum treatment and despite, you know, optimal treatment and care, the disease continues to run its course and the patient continues to decline. Oftentimes, there are symptoms that can be managed that absolutely improve the quality of life. And in dispelling the myth, you know, we really need to get out there that hospice is support. This is about Mm -hmm. supporting the physician's plan of treatment, supporting the patient's goals, supporting the family in the home, etc. And we want it to be a life experience, not a death experience. So absolutely, we are there to improve the quality of the life that they live. And that happens always, you know, when, when we take great care of patients and manage their symptoms. Do they have a greater sense, a peace of mind, if you will, whenever they they talk to, whether it be one of you or someone from Quality Life about this? Because there are a lot of questions. And I, I remember, you know, a couple of situations, you know, in my life where you get to the point and somebody's life is ending and, and you're wondering, is it now that we ask for hospice? Is it now that we make this step? Like, can somebody tell us? And no fault on the professionals that we talk to, but they left it up to us. And yet we're like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> you know. So it's that balance between the mm-hmm. professionals not necessarily telling you what to do, but at the same time trying to say this is the time that we see. You know, so it was that balance. So how do you handle that with people? Yeah, I think that definitely we are the ones that you reach out to. Definitely that that should be what's promoted, that why don't you talk with the hospice team? Spell the myths that this is about living and this is about improving the quality of life. As Julie said, one by one, we're going to cross over. That's, that's inevitable for all of us. When that is and, and why that is, you know, is to be determined. But I think that we dispel the fact that we are there to hasten that. We are not there to hasten death. We are there to recognize that the, that the end years are coming and, and the end of life is coming and that the disease is progressing despite the treatment. So what other things can we put in place that can stabilize you, that can help improve improve the quality of your life. So I think we just dispel that we are a team of support. People want to age in place. So if the elderly are caring for the elderly in the home, it's a great opportunity to have nursing services, physician oversight. Um, and we do follow the patient and the family and the physician's plan of treatment. And we have home health aides. That's often a case as you decline that you do need more supportive care in that area, um, in your home or in any, any facility, anywhere that you call your home. And we want to get in there and, and be a support. We have pastoral services. We have volunteer services. We have 
bereavement and pre-bereavement services. Perhaps there's a young granddaughter that's very, very close to her grandfather. We want to get in there and work with the entire family as a team and work with that patient and their family as well. What do you mean by physician oversight? What does that mean to you? We have a um, their their pr- primary care physician or the physician that would lead them to hospice. They can be as involved as they would like to be. The person does not have to give up their physician to come to hospice. But included in our conditions of participation is that we have physicians that are on staff with us that are uh, very educated in end of life and can make recommendations and help guide the plan of treatment along with their primary care physician. So we are looking to once we go out and establish that a patient is appropriate for hospice and we admit them to hospice, we take back to the physician, their primary care physician initially, and our hospice physician, go over everything that's going on with them, what their goals are, what their medications are, etc., treatments, and we develop a plan of treatment from there on they contact the physicians anytime that there w- they would need a change in orders and treatments and we go over their cases at least um, every two weeks we have an interdisciplinary team group that includes the physician and we go over their treatment plan and what else we can do to improve the quality of their life so your doctors would kind of be in addition to the they doctors, are. the team yes. is kind of adding to the team. Yes, they are. And there are physicians and there are patients that want to turn it over to the medical director and allow him to manage the care. There's other physicians. There's some wonderful physicians out there that are very versed in end of life and don't really need the help of the medical directors of our hospice. And they truly manage the patient's plan of treatment. We still gather with the uh, physician in our interdisciplinary team group as that's a as I said that's a requirement but what we're doing is just going over what the plan of treatment is and what the primary care physician has initiated and what we are you know the the way in which we are managing that patient. What does it look like when you have a whole entire team? Are there times where you may one person wants to take it in one direction, another professional wants to take it in another direction. How do you come to a good conclusion to present that to the family? That's our collaboration. We have a lot, there's a lot of collaboration that goes into caring for hospice patients and their families. We admit the family when we admit the patient in an attempt to improve the experience that they have with their loved one at the end of life as well. So there's a lot of, um, Aside from the IDT, the group is communicating constantly. And if there really was an issue, we do care plan meetings where we'll sit and we'll talk about, okay, this is what's going on. This is what this one thinks. This is where this one's at. Perhaps this son thinks this, this daughter thinks this, and this nurse thinks this. And we just come to the, what is the best thing for the patient here and the family? And how can we achieve that goal? So we just work together. It's the, you know, the team concept in hospice is amazing and they feed off of each other they they get to know each other they work so closely and intimately to uh, together that I've never had a situation in all the years that I've been doing this that we have not been able to come to agreement and conclusion and of course we use the patient's primary care physician and our medical director to seek wiser counsel yeah and it's it's nice to have a team 
especially when you have multiple family members involved. Yes. And <clears throat> Julie, I don't know if you want to jump in on this with any thoughts, but you have to work with multiple people who all have a different opinion right. at times. Sometimes they're all on the same page. Sometimes they're not. So quality of life services in general, Julie, how do you deal with that? Well, if it's in regards to the care for our patient and their loved one, ultimately it's what's best for the patient. We, I mean, everyone's entitled to their opinion. They can voice their concerns and needs, and we will hear them and we'll try to work with them. But ultimately, whatever our patient wants or is best for them, they're going to be put first. So that's why we have social work. <laughs> social yes. workers, yep. part of our interdisciplinary team is kind of how to smooth those wrinkles out and letting everyone have a voice and speak. But ultimately, everyone comes around to say, okay, if that's what's best for mom or dad, then we kind of have to let go a little bit and, and do what they want. And our social workers, and forgive me, I don't think I uh, mentioned them, and I don't know how that could have happened because they are so important and valuable. Every member is. There's not one member of the team that's not valuable, but um, they all are, we, we um, make sure that what they are really good at is that counseling aspect because that's really an important part of the social work that they do do while they're in there with families. You know, on the home care side, you're more apt to be getting a social worker that's helping them to get community resources, equipment in their homes, things like that. But when it comes to hospice, it really is that counseling aspect. And, you know, what book are you in? Are we in the same book? And if we are, are we in the same chapter? And are we anywhere near the same po uh, the same page? And they are dynamic at really looking at and meeting everybody exactly where they are everyone has a different experience and everybody responds to grief or loss differently so you have to meet them right where they are it's and they're an great at that approach versus maybe a uh, physical of getting equipment it's more of an emotional mm -hmm. approach it is it's that way of social work well when you mention emotions uh paula when you were talking about the pre-bereavement it's interesting to me and how that works because I'm not sure that I've ever gone through a program that's pre-bereavement. Right. The um, A number of years back, Medicare had suggested that, you know, we begin to look at um, pre-bereavement, if you will. And we really took that and jumped forward with that far beyond what they required because there is an aspect of that that helps then in the post-bereavement to get so the team that does bereavement after um, for a family following the death of a patient can get involved in initially and and uh, spend time with family members they get to know them they get to meet where they are they can help them to start navigating through some of the things that I think of is like a granddaughter that may be very close to the grandfather so one of the things that they would do would be start putting together a memory box so gathering things that are all about grandpap and, and things with you and grandpap and things like that. And so following the death, then they have this nice little memory box that, you know, when they open it up, it's all their favorite things. And, and it was something fun that they could have done even with their grandfather, you know, during that time period. So there's all sorts of ways to, or when it's younger people, um, they're gifted. 
Aaron and Jen are so gifted at taking young people and really getting them to understand what this means and, you know, the direction that this is headed, especially as it gets closer. But, um, and there's family members. It can be an older son, an older daughter. It can be a sister losing a, a sister. I can't imagine that. I have like the most wonderful sister ever, and I can't imagine uh, anything like that. And and so for bereavement, you know, to to be in there and to deal with that relationship and develop in a relationship to begin with, it's really important. And. Um, really helps the helps them straight on through and they already have that relationship so they're comfortable talking afterwards and I have to say Julie when you said about you know the passion and and uh, things like that and coming from an emotional standpoint having having run both of the um, being you know gifted to be so blessed to be the clinical director of the home care and the hospice um, from the hospice end they really work off of compassion they really operate that way that's why the team is so great they come to it from a perspective of a compassion that unlike what you see in other like when i worked in the trauma units and when i worked in the home health you know home health comes passion i think that's what makes our team and i know we're going to get there but what makes them great with home health is they come with passion to get you from point a to point b to get you better and then hospice comes in with this amazing compassion for all yeah well you know why don't we talk about home health so we don't run out of time okay. for home health since we I talked know. a little we bit about it. on and on and on, Julie. Yes. <laughs> so first explain the difference between hospice and home health okay. and then go down the path of home health. Please. Sure. So home health care is you're in uh, someone's home for a short duration. It's a short period of time for an acute problem that requires a skilled need, which comes down to the fact that something recently happened to you and that requires required either you to seek medical advice and have a change in your plan of treatment or your medications or ex- your uh, quality of life even and or you were in the hospital and uh, and you declined you were debilitated you were in the hospital went to maybe a skilled unit and you um had had maybe hip surgery went to a skilled unit had rehab have progressed to the point you're going home now we're going in the home to make sure that you're safe in the home and, and can function there etc so there's a variety of of reasons that you go in but it does require the skills of a nurse or a therapist and it's for a short duration so the team then as opposed to hospice which centers on we're nearing that end of life and um that team is going in there to improve the quality of life but recognizing that getting you from point a to point b by therapy anymore or getting you from point a to point b where you're going to function independently anymore does not exist so with the home health care as i said we have an amazing team they're great they come to it from a point of passion and what you're passionate about is i get to meet you right where you live 
right where you are at. I don't get to teach you a diet based on a piece of paper that's six pages long that talks about what you should do or, you know, a plan of treatment that should get you from point A to point B as a therapist, a, you know, but I get to come in and put together something that's individualized to you in your home that is going to get you from A to B and prevent you from uh, getting back into the situation that you did that got you into the hospital. So we do wound care and help um, teach family and caregivers how to take care of the wounds when we're not there and get wounds healed. We do diabetic training and teaching um, to get people to have that condition that they have to stabilize it the best it, best possible. And again, we get to go through your cupboards, not literally, right, but right. the idea <laughs> is that we get to see, okay, what is available to you? What type of foods and what type of cooking and what type of budget and how can we make this and all, and have the physician report back to where ears and eyes to the doc, report back to get the meds adjusted so that you are stabilized. Physical therapy is very important for safety reasons and to be able to keep you in your home. Uh, COPD patients, energy conservation, so that you can get through the day successfully. So home care comes in under that plan of treatment by your physician that has ordered it and agrees to um, be over top of that plan of treatment and guide and direct it during the time that we are in there. And we start you at point A and we leave you when you know when you've been able to meet your goals. So when I hear you talk and you're very well informed in what you do, but it can be a large conversation. And it can be a confusing conversation right. for someone who's now just investigating this. I know Julie and I've said this before multiple times where we know this is out there. We know that hospice teams are out there and somebody can come to our homes until we have to actually use the service. Then all of a sudden we find out how much we don't know. You okay. know? So uh-huh. when we come to you, do you have a lot of people that come to you and say, I don't even know where to begin? But here's my loved one. This is the situation. Can we you help do, me out? We do get calls and and things like that. But the majority of your home health care is ordered by your physician's office when you have either had an appointment, gone in, and had an issue and a problem, and they've changed your medication accordingly, and then will refer home health care. They will make the referral to home health to for us to see you in your home and to guide and direct you under that new plan of treatment. The hospital is a very big one where as you're coming out of the hospital um, to assure that what they have started that we get finished in the home and skilled nursing care is a very important one. They often go for for short-term duration from the hospital into skilled care where they continue their rehabilitation be it physical and occupational therapy or IV medication for some you know infection etc and then we get the referrals when they are discharging them home but any family member who has had or or patient who has been in the hospital who has been in a skilled facility that is going home or been to the physician's office and had changes and has questions we always welcome those conversations to see if you do meet the conditions of participation for um, skilled 
home health care. And Julie, I want to turn to you if you don't mind, and sure. could you talk about the power of choice? Because if you have a doctor's script, at that point, well, any point, but when you have finally have the script because you need one for, mm-hmm. for this particular service, um, you can choose who you would like to have come take care of you. It yes. is the power of choice. Yes. Um, every, every person has the right to choose what facility they go to for us. Uh, skilled nursing facility, what home health, palliative hospice, any service that they receive, they have the choice. Just because you might go to a big health system and they promote within themselves, you can say, you know, I appreciate that information, but I would rather have family home health at Three Rivers Hospice provide my services. And what's nice with quality life services is that we have a large continuum of care. So we work with all of the local hospitals that if someone's discharging to our skilled nursing facility, we have 10 skilled nursing facilities or personal care homes, being that um, family home health and Three Rivers Hospice being a part of our continuum of care, they can easily transition with that service also. We encourage the right, so, so residents can choose who they have, but when you can have a one-stop shop, right, <laughs> it right. is nice, but we, when in doubt, it's always the, the power of the patient. They have the right to choose where they go. We would hope they come to us, but right. they have right. the right to choose. And and this partnership that you have with Three Rivers Hospice and, and Quality Life Services, how does that benefit each other? Paula, do you have people come to you and then refer them to um, Quality Life Services, or do they come to you first, Julie, for Quality Life Services and end up with Three Rivers Hospice? Both, okay. both situations. Both yeah, absolutely, yeah. yep. Okay. When a patient is in skilled a skilled nursing facility like our QLS Shakura or QLS Sarver and receiving skilled nursing services on that floor, they're not going to be getting um, home health together at the same time. It it'd be counteractive for doing the mm-hmm. same thing. But when they discharge from skilled because insurance is saying in this amount of time you're you should be uh, ready to go home, but they're not ready maybe safely or the home's not prepared yet they can either go to personal care and receive home health therapy in our personal care homes we have seven personal care homes or they can go to their residence and receive our home health services so there's many options for um, a patient who chooses quality life services to utilize and it works very well when we can say hey yeah (laughs) we'll get Paula staff in there (laughs) right as soon as you know as soon as you make your decision but it is we work very, very well together, and it's a great. It's great to have all the options yeah. for the community. It is, and we are quality. We are a division of Quality mm-hmm. Life Services, and have been for. We're coming up on uh, three years now. It's been a wonderful collaboration and, and partnership. We were so happy to be uh, purchased, you know, um, by them and to become a part of their family. So we see ourselves. Our names may, may be different, but we're one. You know, we are, we are all in one, and it is uh, wonderful to have the relationships that we have. And I've heard our owners say, just come to us. We'll get you where you need Mm -hmm. to be. And it's so true because we have all the divisions and we work so closely together. If we feel that, you know, you are under our home care division and you could perhaps benefit from a couple weeks of skilled care and you qualify, you know, for that, then by all means, we want to transfer you to, we want the best outcome for you. So we would transfer you into that division and then back out to us, you know, uh, when, when you, once you met that skilled need. So we're always there for Mm -hmm. each other working together. It's a wonderful collaboration. 
Julie, uh, I want to get the contact information sure. for Quality of Life Services, but let me ask your final thoughts first. No, let's go ahead and get with the contact, <laughs> and then we'll do final thoughts. Sure. So let's do that first. Um, we have an 888 number that anyone can call, whether with questions, with referrals, or like Paula said, just call. We'll get you to where you go yeah. and what, any division that we have. But it is 1-888-835-4. Five five seven, and if you're local to the Butler area, we do have um, our local number seven two four four three one zero seven seven zero. And you can always find us on Facebook on Quality Life Services or our website qualitylifeservices.com. And since we're focused on home health, I'll uh, give you the floor for the last word, Paula, if you don't mind. Just your final thoughts on just collectively what we've been talking about and the importance of recognizing this as a well, month. Thank you, yeah. and, and I appreciate this opportunity to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to work with uh, Quality Life Services and to be a family member of them. I think one of the things that has been so wonderful is it has always been about take great care of the patient. Just do what's right for the patient, and you can't go wrong. And it's wonderful to work for an organization that has that philosophy. I think that as we have seen this pandemic and the effects of the pandemic, more and more people want to be in their home. We are home health care, want to be in hospice. We can provide hospice in their home, wherever that may be, and just keep them safe and provide the best quality of care possible to them. I think it's important to get this word out that these services are available and do not be afraid to ask for them. We would be more than happy to be a part of your uh, home and, and to take care of your loved ones. Paula Minix, the Executive Clinical Director of Home Health and Hospice, and Julie Toth, of course, with uh, Quality Life Services. It's always nice to talk to both of you. Paula, thank you so much for all of your information. Tracy, thank you. It was a pleasure. And Julie, thank you so much thank for coming you. back, and we'll talk to you thank real soon. You. All right, and folks, thank you very much for joining us for this segment of Let's Talk. Again, if you would like to listen to this program in its entirety, what you're going to do is go to our website of WISR680.com. You're going to pick programs and then let's talk and then look for quality life services. I think we have it as QLS mm -hmm. on our website. So thanks so much. I'm Tracy Morgan with Let's Talk. The information and opinions shared on this program are solely those of our guests and do not necessarily represent those of WISR, the Butler County Radio Network, or its staff and employees.